You are Locked On Seahawks, your daily Seattle Seahawks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Greetings, 12s. I'm Corbin Smith, your host for Locked On Seahawks, along with Rob Rang. We are fired up for today's show, the first of three collaborative mock drafts we will be conducting here on the podcast. Now for your lead story here on Locked On Seahawks. Now that the season has wrapped up, we know most of the Seahawks' draft choices. Compensatory picks have yet to be officially rewarded, but Seattle is projected to have a third-rounder after losing Earl Thomas in free agency to the Ravens, as well as a fourth and a sixth. So, Rob, this is much better, a much better situation than general manager John Schneider had last year when they were going into the draft process with just four selections. Yeah, and that's one of the reasons, Corbin, why I think that you know there's been some some talk about possibly this could be the year that Seattle makes a looks to make an aggressive trade up. Um, you know, in in our what we're going to do tonight is we're going to be you know kind of breaking down from a mock draft perspective and using the Seattle's actual draft picks. Um, and, and so I'm kind of eager to, to break it down just because there are so many players in this draft that that fit Seattle's needs. So they're going to be able to be some some good depth picks um, in the middle rounds. That it's going to uh, give us a good chance to, to really break down this class from Seattle's perspective. Looking at Seattle's eight picks, these are the ones that we will be selecting in our mock draft in the first round because they made the divisional round and then bowed out to the Green Bay Packers. The Seahawks have the 27th selection in round one. In round two, they have pick number 59, and then they'll be back on the board five picks later, a selection that they received from the Chiefs. That'll finish off the Frank Clark trade from this past April. And then they have a compensatory pick, the one that stems from Earl Thomas leaving for Baltimore. Last year, there were seven third-round comp picks. It varies by year. They have a formula they use there. So you can expect somewhere in that realm, six, seven, eight third-round comp picks probably for this year's draft. Seattle will hold one of those. They have a fourth-round native pick at 123, and they also have a compensatory pick in the fourth round. Last year, there were just four compensatory picks in the fourth round. Again, it varies by year in the draft. In round five, the Seahawks have pick number 137. Interestingly, Rob, that'll be the 136th pick in the draft, though, because pick number 136 to the Arizona Cardinals, they have to forfeit that selection. The Seahawks actually will have... 136 selection even though it's pick 137 and then in the sixth round one last compensatory pick last year there were 10 sixth round comp picks rob the seahawks actually could have had 11 draft picks this year we've gotten a lot of questions about this a few notes just some friendly reminders the seahawks traded away three of the picks that they could have had and two of them were for mid-season or before season trades to acquire quandre Diggs and jacob hollister yeah, and that was one of the things I was remiss earlier in the year. I mentioned the 10 draft picks, and, you know, that was, in my notes, they had 10 because that was before they traded away the fifth uh, for Quandre Diggs, the midpoint of the season. And then last year for Ursua, I forgot about that. That move was involved in a 2020 draft pick. Um, and so while I applied the move at the time, it, it does, uh, you know, obviously take away a draft pick from a, a, a spectacular wide receiver class this year as well. Um, but at the same time, uh, you know, Seattle has, uh, you know, quite the arsenal here. Um, and as we broke down on yesterday's show, Corbin, the, the rest of the NFC West does not have anything even close to that. Um, so I think that this is the, a heck of an opportunity for Seattle not only to improve their team through free agency with all that, that spending, uh, all the salary cap space, but in the NFL draft this year as well. 
And I wanted to make sure I noted this. A lot of people have asked about this. There were rumors out there that the Patriots and Seahawks, when Jacob Hollister was traded to the Seahawks, there were rumors out there that the seventh round selection in exchange was a conditional pick. That was not the case. So the Seahawks seventh rounder is going to be in the hands of the New England Patriots. The Seahawks do not have a seventh round pick. The only reason they have a sixth rounder is because of the compensatory pick you mentioned trading for John Ursua last year. They traded back into the seventh round with the Jaguars and they dealt away a future sixth rounder, their sixth round pick for the 2020 draft as part of that deal to move up and get John Ursua. So they right now have eight. We know how John Schneider functions. There is a pretty much 100% chance he is going to trade down at some point. Could it be the first round like he's done so many times? Never going to put that past him. He's done it more than half of his drafts, it feels like. But, you know, they could trade back in the first. They could trade back with one of those second-round selections. Mid-rounders maybe trade back and try to recoup another pick late in the draft. John Schneider is a wizard when it comes to that. I wouldn't be surprised if they have 10 or 11 picks when it's all said and done. But they will go into this process with eight. When we return from the break, Rob and I are heading to the war room for the first time this offseason. Which prospects will we reel in as new members of the Seahawks? Stay tuned to find out. You're listening to the Locked On Seahawks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. If you've been a listener of this podcast, I'm sure you've heard all the great advertisers working with Locked On to reach sports fans. But you may not know that Locked On Seahawks is a great way for your local business to reach passionate Seahawks fans like you. Unlike any other podcast, Locked On gives your local company the unique ability to reach local podcast listeners. Not just any podcast listener, a Locked On podcast listener. If your company wants to connect with Seahawk fans and a predominantly male audience that is well-educated with disposable income, then let's put your company right here on this Locked On podcast. Local fans love to support local businesses. Text the word advertising to 33777 or visit LockedOnPodcast.com slash advertising and let us know who you are we'll get our team to help your team achieve locked on advertising success once again text the word advertising to 33777 or visit lockedonpodcast.com slash advertising we look forward to hearing from you welcome back to the locked on seahawks podcast coming to you from our top secret underground war room this is your host corbin smith along with rob rang It's officially draft season. We've been fired up to do a mock draft here on the podcast. So we decided why not make this a collaborative effort. Still very early in the evaluation process. We've got an NFL combine coming up later this month. Pro days. A bunch of things will happen between now and April 23rd. So this is just the first of three mock drafts we will be doing over the next two months. With our final one coming the week of the draft itself. How this is going to work, Rob. I'm going to lay some ground rules Because we do not know Seattle's official pick numbers for their compensatory selections yet, they have not been awarded, we're not allowed to make any trades in this particular mock draft. In future mocks, that will change. But for now, we're going to be picking at Seattle's eight selections. We will make a pick at the end of the third, the fourth, and the sixth round, signifying a comp selection. We will be using the Draft Network simulator to do so. With that being said, the Cincinnati Bengals are officially on the clock. And of course, they're going to take Joe Burrow. We're going to be going through some names here that get picked by other teams. And we'll be looking at our leaderboards, trying to figure out which selections that we want to make. Now, midway through the first round, Kalevon Chason just got picked by the Indianapolis Colts, so he's off the board. Okay. 
That's Kai Becton just whatever. got selected as well. The Denver Broncos, an interesting pick for the Broncos going with the offensive line. Gross Matos gets picked by the Bills at number 22. So one of our favorite prospects is not available. We are officially on the clock looking at some players that have already been picked that maybe would be interesting. I just mentioned Gross Matos. The Bills selected him. Jalen Rieger, the receiver out of TCU, goes to the Eagles at pick 21. Carson Wentz getting an elite weapon on the outside. Cornerback Trayvon Diggs going to the Raiders at 19. Chason actually went to the Atlanta Falcons at pick 16. I misread that. Mekhi Becton going to the Broncos. So most of these names are guys we didn't expect to last. Javon Kinlaw going at number 9 to the Jacksonville Jaguars. So looking at what's now available and team needs. You and I talked about this before the show. Team needs right now clearly the edge defensive end position is number 1 offensive tackle defensive tackle being two and three interior offensive line center and guard tight end cornerback and receiver and then maybe not the biggest needs running back safety linebacker and of course quarterback though they could maybe at the end of this draft pick a backup quarterback to go with Russell Wilson we've seen them do that in recent seasons looking at some players that are available Rob here at pick number 27 a few guys that immediately jump out to me Grant Delphit, the safety out of LSU. Terrell Lewis, the edge from Alabama. Neville Gallimore, defensive tackle out of Oklahoma. Those are the three highest-ranked players here, the guys we've talked about here on the podcast. Patrick Queen, the linebacker out of LSU. Looking at a couple receiving options as well. T. Higgins, wide receiver out of Clemson. A few edge guys that are left. Julian Aquora out of Notre Dame is still available on the board. A.J. Terrell, who we talked about yesterday, the corner out of Clemson, is also available. A bunch of other receivers. I just can't get over how loaded this receiving class is. K.J. Hamler, Brandon Ayuk out of Arizona State, Justin Jefferson out of LSU. A bunch of stud receivers available right now. But uh, the edge rushers have been picked pretty clean already. Well, I'm curious about the offensive tackles as well, because to me right now, I'm thinking either one of the wide receivers, an offensive tackle. Uh, you, you mentioned the defensive tackle in Gallimore. I mean, he, he's an interesting player, but I, I think that there's going to be better talent at other positions. Um, so I'm eager to hear about the tackles available. Austin Jackson out of USC is still on the board available. Uh, Prince Tega Wanago. Out of Auburn, who we've talked about, he is still available, has not been selected yet. Those are the top two tackles that are available on our board. And then we go all the way down to Josh Jones out of Houston, who I have a first-round grade on. I actually would love to make that selection right now and bring him to Seattle. With what he did at the Senior Bowl, he would be an intriguing player to pick here at pick number 27. I have him ahead of Tega Wanaho on my uh, big board at tackle. Well, I, I can see that. Uh, I'm a big Josh Jones fan, so I, I'm right there with you. Um, Austin Jackson, I, I like the athletic upside of him that much more, um, but he's a very young man. So this would ultimately this would come down to a conversation about what the Seahawks have done at the tackle position. If they re-sign like a George Fant, they already have a young tackle, um, then I, I think they can kind of get away um, with, with taking a Jackson and, and developing him. Um, if, they, if they have a Fetty who's more of the right tackle, um, then again, Jackson, I think to me – his ability 
solely his, his high upside as a left tackle strictly. Um, whereas with, with Josh Jones, um, his ability to be probably either side, but I like him more as a right tackle, plug and play kind of a thing if the Seahawks lost to Fetty. Uh, you know, for me, I, I would go with either one of those two offensive tackles, Corbin. Um, I could see I, I want to throw I, one more name out here real quick. I know some people might think this is reaching a little bit, but Joshua Uche out of Michigan is also available, and he had an awesome week at the Senior Bowl, an electric edge rusher. And to me, he's the kind of edge the Seahawks need right now, and I'd be concerned that he's not going to be available at the end of the second round. So that's another name that I would throw out there too. I'm with you on the tackles, but that's another one worth considering here. Uche is an interesting one. I, you know, a couple of years ago I said no way, uh, but but it's just the the game has changed so much. It doesn't matter how big you are if you can get pressure. And Uche, he's a shorter guy, and shorter guys are usually a little bit more flexible um, and usually a little, a little bit quicker. And and he certainly is that. So just similarly to how the Seahawks shocked people when it took Bruce Irvin all those years ago, that could be the kind of a, a, a surprise selection for me. Again, I would go with one of the offensive tackles just because I think that's the way things are going to play out. Seattle's going to struggle to pay both of their tackle so my vote at this point would i'll I'll go with josh jones i I believe in his talent and i believe in his toughness i think we've got an agreement here with the 27th selection the seahawks are taking josh jones tackle out of houston so we get ourselves a nice new right tackle maybe a guy that could replace Dwayne brown on the left side a few years from now as well now we're moving into round two again the seahawks have two second rounders at the end of the round pick number 59 as well as pick number 64 which was acquired from the kansas city chiefs aj terrell is officially off the board selected by the denver broncos at pick 46 Curtis Weaver, one of the latest edge guys picked by the Rams at pick 52. That makes sense with them losing Fowler here. We are now on the board at pick 59, and I am so frustrated. The Minnesota Vikings at pick 58 picked Bryce Hall, and he was the guy that was near the top of the list for me. Here at the end of round two, Vikings picked him, so he's off the board. Looking at top players available right now, a couple receivers K.J. Hamler, as well as Brandon Ayuk out of Arizona State. Uh, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, running back out of LSU, is still available. A couple running backs here. Jalen Johnson, the corner out of Utah, player we didn't talk about yesterday. And Uche is still available, actually, on our board as well. So if we want to go edge, we can pick him at pick number 59. Tight end Hunter Bryant out of Washington is also available. Bradley Inay out of Utah. Um, we've got some pretty good players available here at 59. Unfortunately, Hall was a guy that I was starting to get pretty big eyes seeing he was still on the board, and he was picked one pick before we were up. Yeah, you know, the players that you mentioned, I think that the top two players are Jalen Johnson, the corner from Utah, um, and then Uche, for the reasons we talked about before, I think would be a really intriguing fit for the Seahawks specifically. Um, Bradley Anai from Utah is a good physical football player. He doesn't have the length or the straight line speed that Seattle has generally preferred, but he is a really good football player. He's, he's just He uses his hands really well. He understands the game. Um, he's going to play a long time. He's just not a Seattle kind of a guy, and so that 
that's why I have some concerns about him. Uh, Jalen Johnson, to me, is a is a lockdown corner. He, he's he's going to be off the board. If we're being real, he's going to be off the board at this point, in my opinion. Um, but he's again, he's not a great schematic fit for Seattle. Um, but still, I, I think that you can take him. He can play the slot corner, uh, you know, no problem. Um, and he can actually play outside for you as well. So he would be right there, or Josh Uche. Either one, I think, uh, would be the type of immediate impact kind of guys that you're rarely going to get in the second round. But I think would would be big needs filled for Seattle. I think we would have had a discussion about Daryl Taylor from Tennessee, edge rusher here as well, but I yes. personally I personally am a bigger fan of Uche for what the Seahawks need right now, being an absolute speedster off the edge. I feel like that was what was really missing for this pass rush last year. They, they had a lot of base defensive ends, but I think they missed Jacob Martin after they traded him. They really missed having that guy. Shaquem Griffin kind of filled the void a little bit towards the end of the year once he got a chance, but I don't know if he's ever going to be anything more than a guy that you can plug in for nine, ten snaps. Uche's a guy that you could play more than that because he is about 25 pounds heavier than what Griffin is. So uh, my my choice right now would be Uche. There's a few other guys here that would intrigue me, but that would be my selection. Well, and then, again, if we're being real, I think this is where you have the conversation with Clint Hurt and who would he make the connection with because Daryl Taylor is a different level. I mean, he, he's 6'4", 260. I mean, he's got, he's got the size, and he does have incredible uh, burst-up field. It's he's just an older kind of, player, too. He is. And, and so I, I think he can give you some immediate impact, but I also think he has a really untapped potential. He's an intriguing guy, but you gotta you got to know what you're getting with this kid. I mean, he's he's kind of the, the knock on him is it looks like it's effortless for him and that there's a perception out there that he's underperformed. And I don't know if that's actually the case, but that's what it looks like on tape at times. And so that's obviously not somebody that the Seahawks are going to want from that regard. But the athletic potential is through the roof. And we all know that the Seahawks love to gamble on potential. So I could see him being their selection if that was if he were available to them at this spot. I also want to throw one last name in here. I think that you and I are in agreement that Edge is definitely in play here, but we're also using the NFL Draft Network's big board, and we both are big fans of Cameron Dantzler out of Mississippi State. He is still available. He's their 77th ranked player on their big board. So if we want to go with a corner that is really scheme-centric for Seattle and we want to go this early, that's another player that is definitely in the, in the picture right now to pick. No, he is as well. Uh, the the only reason I would go with the pass rush is I think that the the depth at that position um, is mm-hmm. going to shrivel up real quick. Um, so I would I would go with with either Taylor or Uche. Um, you know, and I'll, I'll kind of let you make that that choice, Coach. <laughs> oh man, you're you're giving Coach Pete Carroll the the reins here. I'm going with speed. I got to have the guy that can really fly off the edge here. I, I like Uche here with the 59th pick, and we're going to get to debate here in a moment again. <laughs> So Uche is our first second round selection. Looking at the next three picks, four picks made here. Hamler goes off the board. Hunter Bryant picked. Uh, Jacob Eason going to the Titans at pick 61. And then Malik Harrison, linebacker out of Ohio State, going to the Chiefs at 63. So we are back officially on the board here. Looking at what we've still got available here, many of the same names we just talked about, I think now maybe receiver comes into play a little bit as well. We've addressed edge, we've talked about tackle, I think Dantzler's a player that you could pick right here as I just talked about, Brandon Ayuk, the receiver out of Arizona State, I think probably the best fit that's on the board right now. Tight end Thaddeus Moss is available as well, we could double dip with Daryl Taylor, there's a ton of options here with this 64th selection. 
You know, I, I'm, I'm really intrigued by doubling down with Daryl Taylor just because I'm, a, again, a real fan of his just raw talent. Um, at, at the same time, Brennan Ayuk, it, to me, is, is, is somebody that I would have considered for Seattle – um, you know, all the way back in 27 overall. I mean, I think that he is just going to be one of the special receivers in this class. Um, I, I just think that he can be that that kind of third receiver, that slot guy, that guy dragging across the middle um, that I think that uh, w- would be a, a dynamic fit in Seattle's offense. So he, he's another one who I don't think is actually going to be available um, at, the, at this point in the draft. And so, yeah, I would be pounding the table to, to make Brandon Ayuk the you know, Seattle's third selection at this point. Ayuk is my number six ranked receiver on my board. I've got him in the same area as Jalen Rieger, as well as uh, Denzel Mims, who's also still on the board. I I would prefer Ayuk here. I think he's worthy of the number 64 selection. If if we're being frank, I don't think he's going to be available in the real draft at this point. So I'm very intrigued by that. I also like Dantzler at this position, and I wouldn't have an issue with picking Thaddeus Moss here, considering Seattle's tight end depth right now. But I think right now I'm torn between Dantzler and Ayuk. Those are the two players that I'm trying to decide on right now. Do you want that third receiver that that really makes your offense dynamic, or do you want to go out and get that corner that can really compete? And I would think picking him this early, you're, you're hoping he ends up beating out Trey Flowers. Yeah, no, I think that's a, that would be a legitimate conversation. Uh, you know, normally I would say you you, you take the receiver because Seattle has, has struggled um, in comparison to, to how they've drafted cornerbacks. Um, they've had such great success in, on day three with corners, um, and this is a draft I think sets up pretty well for that. Uh, Ayuk is a special talent. I think that he deserves to be you know a, a top fifty pick. Um, frankly, so is Dantzler. Um, but it's only because of the fact that I think that the uh, that, that Seattle has just been so good at uh, finding corners late that I think I would wait in the corner, take the receiver, and then uh, and then just hope that you can catch magic in a bottle in, in day three as, as you always have done uh, during the Pete Carroll John Schneider era. All right, you persuaded me. I was going to try to make an argument for Dantzler because Seattle has never picked a corner this early, and I kind of wanted to buck trends a little bit. But there's a (laughs) lot of corner depth here. There's a lot of good players still on the board. So uh, I vote Ayuk as well. Let's make it happen. Yep. Brandon Ayuk is joining forces with DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett. Russell Wilson can't complain about not having enough weapons now. He's got three really good receivers there. I agree with you. I think Ayuk is going to be a stud. And he's a player that I would absolutely envision fitting well with Seattle's offense. Looking at some guys that have gone off the board so far in the third round. Denzel Mims just went to the Cowboys. Not that we were going to pick another receiver. Cameron Dantzler picked by the Miami Dolphins. So they upgrade their secondary to go with Xavier Howard. Zach Moss, the running back, going to the Lions. Thaddeus Moss is off the board. The Redskins picking him. Good replacement for Vernon Davis, who just announced his retirement. And we are almost on the board here. Waiting for our selection. Colin Johnson just got picked by the Vikings, adding some receiver help. Jordan Elliott, interior lineman from Missouri, going to the Green Bay Packers. We are officially back on the board with our comp pick, Looking at the top guys that are available right now, a ton of running backs available. I still think it's way too early for Seattle to go down that avenue. Now, we've talked some about this guy, Lakey Fotu yeah. out of Utah. <laughs> big The big fella. I, I never could pronounce his first name for some reason. And I finally get it right on our mock show. He is available. Big fella out of Utah right now. The fourth 
ranked remaining player that's still on our big board. Troy Pride, the corner out of Notre Dame, a guy that I think would be an excellent nickel corner for the Seattle Seahawks. He is one of the top players that's available right now. We didn't really talk about any slot guys on our show yesterday, but he would be intriguing to me. And we've got a couple big offensive linemen that are available as well. Uh, Tyler Biotish out of Wisconsin uh, is available right now. Maybe a guy that you could look at at your center position. Jabari Zaniga out of Florida. Jabari Zaniga is a really good player, too, who, um, you know, again, just because of the fact that we had Seattle taking Uche in the second round. There's really no reason to pick that's the same player. They're, they're very similar guys. Uh, you know, Zuniga, again, is a, is a really talented player, and he's gone up against elite competition. He's been a more of a well-rounded player than Uche, who is more of the pass rusher. But all that said, once you said Lecky Fotu, then I ended the conversation for me. He, he is going to be a guy who's going to go in the top 50. He is the best run stuffer in this draft class. Uh, I mean, he's 6'5", he's 340 pounds, and it's, there's no fat. He's just one big, huge, monstrous run stuffer. He, he's perfect. I mean, he's he's somebody that, honestly, I wouldn't be surprised if Seattle – I don't think that he'll be their pick at 27, but I bet you he's on their board, like the guys that they would absolutely consider just because he is just the, the physical monster that, that Seattle has been lacking in the defensive line now for a while. And you pair him with the quickness of a Puna Ford, then you got some something going there so to me that's i, I mentioned you know uh, the the pound on the table for a draft pick before i mean geez this this is this is about as, good, as good as it's gonna get i mean you got you got to take lucky photo at this point he's gonna be an absolute steal at this point i would agree i agree with you one other name i'm gonna throw out there and there will be some that disagree with picking him this early but i'm worried he's not going to be available and i think he is the one of the best guard prospects that fits the Seattle Seahawks. I actually picked him on my first mock, and I'm a huge fan. I love the tenacity, the mean strength that he plays with. Logan Stenberg out of Kentucky is still available, the number 10 prospect remaining on the big board right now. And I feel like the Seahawks absolutely have to get some help with that interior offensive line, whether it's a center, bringing in another guard that can compete. And I think Stenberg would be a really enticing selection here between him and Foto. Those are the two guys that I'm eyeing right now, looking at the needs we still need to address. No, I, I agree. I think that, that Stenberg's a good football player. Um, he's a tough guy. He would bring that that size, the physicality, uh, the toughness that that you know you know Mike Solari wants to continue to have. I mean, if, if Seattle does lose Jermaine Effetti, that, that's going to be you know, one of their, their toughest guys you're losing. You got to replace that attitude as well as that size and physicality. So, uh, so I agree with you. But to me, again, Lucky Foto. I mean, maybe I'm just drinking the Kool Aid out here in the Pac-12. Actually, watch Pac-12 football instead of just highlights. But I, I see a dominant dominant player that um you know to me it would just be such a schematic slam dunk and just a size and i think you have a better chance stenberg's going to be available in the fourth round than him i think foto is going to be gone in the next few picks if we don't so i think we i think we need to push the envelope here and get the big fella to seattle here <laughs> yeah, I think that that's, it makes a lot of sense, especially you know reuniting him again with, with uh, you know with, with Blair with, with Barton. Um, you know, you have quite the the Utah combination there. You know, that that would be something that could CCL absolutely doing. And so we make the selection. We're going with Lecky Fotu out of Utah, the big fella, going to the Seattle Seahawks. Uh, to me, th- this is a home run pick at the end of the third round. Like you said, this is a guy that might get some first round buzz. Uh, that's certainly a a good pick for them. 
We've wrapped up the first two days worth of our draft. Ton of excitement remaining with our final four selections coming up on day three. We'll debate and make those picks when we return. You're listening to the Locked On Seahawks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome back. Glad to have you joining us here on the Locked On Seahawks podcast. I'm your host, Corbin Smith, along with Rob Rang. Welcome back to our first mock draft of the season. In the first three rounds, the Seahawks came away with an offensive tackle in Josh Jones out of Houston. Second round, we got an edge rusher in Joshua Uche and a receiver in Brandon Ayuk to team up with Tyler Lockett and DK Metcalf. And then with our third round comp pick, Lecky Fotu, big defensive tackle out of Utah, a guy that we had late first, early second round uh, grades on, and he's a guy we get at the end of the third round, so a really good value there getting the big fella to upgrade our defensive line. Four picks remaining for the Seahawks. We've got pick number 123, the Seahawks native fourth round selection. We've got a fourth round compensatory pick. And then we've got a fifth rounder and a sixth round compensatory pick. So, Rob, let's get back to it. We are officially back on the clock. Waiting for our next selection here in the fourth round. I'm just holding out my breath here. Is Stenberg going to be available? He still has not been picked. The Seahawks selection coming up at 123. And Stenberg gets picked by the Ravens at 119. He's gone. (laughs) So I'm not going to get that interior lineman that I wanted. I was also kind of eyeing Jason Strobridge at this point, a more athletic defensive lineman. He's picked by the Vikings. The Vikings have been a thorn in our sides in this draft so far. They're taking a lot of players that you and I both liked. So we are back on the board here looking at what's been picked. We already went with an edge. We brought in a receiver. We picked a tackle in Josh Jones in the first round. So we've still got interior offensive line to address. You can make the argument you can still basically look at anything on the defensive line. We haven't touched corner, tight end, running back. Maybe we're getting to the point where maybe we can start having those discussions. But looking at some of the top players that are available right now, a ton of wide receivers. We don't need to pick any more receivers. A couple safeties. Tackle Matthew Pert out of UConn. Trey Adams, the tackle out of Washington. If we wanted to bring in another tackle, there are some quality guys that are available at this point. Looking to see if there's some other guys that we have ranked highly on our boards here. Tight end Adam Troutman out of Dayton is still available. He's a good player. I just think Seattle is generally not going with small school guys um, very often, so I would be surprised by that. The um, interior offensive line is really dried up. There's not a lot of guys available right now in the interior. If you're looking for guards, uh, centers, there was a major run on centers here in the last round and a half. So we're looking at kind of a tough situation here. Who, Michael Anwenu out of Michigan is still available on the board. Yep. Solomon who, who, Kindley out of Georgia is still available. Who are the, some of the corners? That are available because that's where I would think that there, there should be a position some... worth looking at here. Uh, Asang Bassey out of uh, Wake Forest is still available. Miles yep. Bryant from Washington, uh, as Pac 12 people know him fairly well. Lamar Jackson yep. from Nebraska is still on the board. This is a guy that I am a big fan of in Seattle's scheme, 6'3, 215. We talked about him on yesterday's show. So he's somebody at 123, I think would make a lot of sense based on what they yeah. need right now. 
Yeah, I think that he'd definitely be in the conversation. I mean, we, we could, you know, break this down and, and look at some other positions. I mean, I'm curious about who the centers are because some guys they're going to be projected as centers by one out, outlet are, you know, may not see those players the same way. But um, I, I'm definitely on board with Lamar Jackson. I think that he, as you said, is a great scheme fit. I think that he pushes Trey Flowers without being someone who was drafted so early that the, the writing is on the wall. Um, I, I think that, that that way you're going to let these two Big 12 stars basically duke it out. I think it would be um, I think it would be for the Seahawks' favor. To me, he's the best corner that's still on the board when you're looking at scheme fit for the Seahawks, a guy that I feel like Pete Carroll would be really excited to be able to coach. So I, I vote in favor of this one. I, I think we need to pick Lamar Jackson and, and put him in the secondary, a guy that can really push Trey Flowers. Yeah, absolutely. That's, make that our selection. The nice thing about the Seahawks having a fourth-round compensatory pick, there should be a pretty quick turnaround for them. After pick number 123, they will be one of the uh, few compensatory selections at the end of the fourth. You're looking at only a handful of picks before those compensatory selections. Looking at what's still available on the board, I think you and I can agree now that the Seahawks need to address the interior offensive line at some point. This is a class that's got pretty good depth at center. There may be some players that are intriguing here now that we're at the end of the fourth going into the fifth round. Some names that are still available. Solomon Kinley out of Georgia. Jonah Jackson out of Ohio State. Jake Hansen out of Oregon still available. Zach Shackelford out of Texas. John Simpson from Clemson getting a lot of big school players here that have played in some big games that are still available here in the fourth round. Yeah, of, of the five that you just mentioned, Corbin, Zach Shackelford from Texas is the player that intrigues me. He, he's got the athletic ability. Um, he's a strong guy. He was a team captain at Texas and, and helped that team turn things around there. Uh, I think that he would make some sense for Seattle. You, you mentioned Big John Simpson. To me, uh, from Big John Simpson from Clemson, he, he's a very similar player as to what Seattle just drafted um, in, in Phil Haynes, um, just a big, brawling, hulking presence. Um, with, with Shackelford, he's he's quicker. Um, he can play that guard position. He also is a heck of a center. Um, that's where he played this past year and most of his career at Texas, maybe even all of it, to be honest with you. Um, but I, I think he has the size, uh, you know, to be able to project as well as the athletic ability to be able to project that guard position. And so I like the the the, flex, the positional flexibility that he would offer you. So I think that if we are going to, in fact, going to focus in on the interior offensive lineman, Shackelford is the one who I think is the best fit of that group for Seattle specifically. I like Jake Hansen. I just don't know that I would pick him this early. I think Shackelford is a superior prospect, and I like the versatility that he brings to the table here. So I'm on board with that. Looking at any other positions right now that might be available here at the end of the fourth and comp pick that maybe the Seahawks would be interested in, I feel like the edge group really dried out in round three. The couple guys that were remaining that maybe had some impact player capabilities are off the board and I think this is a very top heavy edge class so I don't think there's going to be anybody at this point the Seahawks are going to be interested in bringing in with what's on the board. Maybe some interior defensive linemen that can rush the passer a little bit would be intriguing but but I think right now considering what the board is, how the board has shaken out we just got ourselves a corner. I think Shackelford's got to be the pick here. Yeah, I mean, those. It sounds like uh, um, you know, like some of the other positions are picked clean, and, and Zach Shackelford is a is a good football player. Um, if he was available at this spot in the draft, then I'd be surprised. And I think that he again fits in very nicely with Seattle. So that would be my selection. 
I think we need to go with Shackleford. So let's make the pick here. We'll make the phone call, the, the fictional phone call here, to our prospect. <laughs> so we upgrade the offensive line there. Looking at the picks that are remaining right now for the Seattle Seahawks, we've covered our, our, our fourth rounders. We've got a fifth rounder, pick number 137, which really is 136 because the Cardinals have to forfeit one of their picks. I'd have to do some research and figure out why that's the case. But we've got a fifth rounder coming up, and we've also got a sixth round compensatory selection to make. Looking at the needs that we've covered, we've gotten an edge, we got a receiver, we've now upgraded the interior offensive line, we got a tackle in the first round in Josh Jones. As far as positions are concerned, maybe now's the time to start looking at tight end, maybe a running back for the future. I think that this is a, a pretty solid running back draft that maybe the Seahawks could find somebody they can bring in. Maybe he's not going to play a lot of snaps this year, but Chris Carson's going to be a free agent in 2021, and who knows if they're going to re-sign him or not. And there's a lot of moving parts there. Rashad Penny's coming off a torn ACL. So I could see the Seahawks potentially looking at running back here. In fact, I'm going to make an argument right now that there is a running back on the board that I would love to pick here in the fifth round, and that's A.J. Dillon is a perfect Seahawks running back 250 pound battering ram that is much more athletic than you would think at his size and seeing what Derrick Henry has done I don't think he's the prospect Derrick Henry was but this is a guy that just picked up yards and bunches at Boston College and he fits what the Seahawks like to do running between the tackles I think that's a good in waiting guy to have on your roster a year ahead of time if Chris Carson's gone you can plug him in there with Rashad Penny yeah, no, he's an interesting player. Um, and as you mentioned, I mean, he's a Seahawks kind of a guy. Um, he's a hard-running guy, a, a big guy. Um, and as you say, he's got lighter feet than you expect for a man of his size. I mean, he, he's like 6'1", 240. For old-school Seahawks fans, but I remember like kind of Christian Okoye and kind of the guys like that. I mean, he's a big, strong back. Um, you know, kind of like a Derrick Henry, um, kind of like a, a Bo Scarborough, who, of course, uh, you know, the, the Seahawks brought in another former Alabama player. Um and so, um, you know, similar kind of a guy. I, I'd be curious to hear with the tight end. I'd be curious to hear among the defensive linemen. Um, the reality is at this point, once you get starting to get into the later rounds, then you're going to be taking best player available at this point. You, you certainly want to to draft players that, that fill positions of concern. Um, but and I, and I think that uh, that Dylan would be one of those players potentially. But I'd be curious to hear some of the other candidates as well. Looking at the tight end position, since you asked, Stephen Sullivan out of LSU, a player that you really were impressed with uh, at the Senior Bowl. Uh, Stephen Sullivan is still on the board, a guy that uh, I'm looking probably him being a sixth or seventh rounder. We're in the fifth right now. But again, late rounds kind of gets mushed together a little bit when we get to this stage. The elite prospects, for the most part, they are gone. Those guys were picked many rounds ago. Jacob Breland out of Oregon still available. Cheyenne O'Grady from Arkansas. Troutman, who I've man, uh, I've already mentioned, out of Dayton, a small school prospect that has had some buzz here going into draft season. Those right now are the top guys that are available at the position. Mitchell Wilco- Wilcox from South Florida is another one that kind of intrigues me that's still available. Yeah, I mean, for me, it would be Stephen Sullivan. Uh, you know, I mean, I, I'm just so intrigued by his potential. I mean, this guy's got the longest arms. I mean, he's like a power forward out there. Um, he's a former wide receiver, and he's a guy that would be that move tight end who actually gives you a little bit of physicality, flashes it, um, for especially for a former wide receiver. Uh, you know, so he's intriguing to me. Uh, I, I understand with Dylan. Um, again, I, I'd be curious about some of the, the defensive linemen as well. Um, you know, but the – 
the reality is that you would think that the, that basically it's been picked pretty clean, but you know then you have guys that you know, like fourth round pick last year. I think it was a fourth round pick, maybe it was a third. But Max Crosby, what he's doing in Oakland, um, you know, and so there are guys to be had. Um, and so that's the thing is I think that this draft, uh, you know, sets up pretty well for taking the best player available late in the draft because there are going to be some runs on positions and leave some really talented players dangling much, much later than they should have been uh, still on the, on the board. Looking at the defensive line, if we're talking defensive tackles here, a few names to throw out there. Devon Hamilton from Ohio State, Raquan Williams from Michigan State. Uh, I know some fans might be like, oh no, not a defensive tackle for Michigan State. But at this <laughs> point, that would be good value. That would be pretty good yeah. value bringing in a guy like Raquan Williams here. I would be on board with making that selection because it's a different style defensive tackle than what we picked with Fotu earlier in the draft. So those would be a couple guys there. Uh, McTelvin Ajum out of Arkansas is another player that's still available as well. Those are our top three interior defensive linemen still on the board at this point. Yeah, for me that that the fit would be Raquan Williams. It's funny you mentioned the you know um, you know another defensive tackle from Michigan State, but you know this guy was the exact opposite. Um, you know Malik McDowell, and that he was a team captain. He was just the epitome of, of durability and toughness. There, um, you know, good, just a good football player. So I think that he would make some sense as well. Um, so you know any of those other players. I mean, for me that it would be it would be Sullivan. I mean, if I was being honest, I mean, I, I just am so intrigued by his athletic skill set. I'd have to have a conversation. We talked about this before with Josh Uche and and Daryl Taylor, and you want to have uh, you know Clint Hurt, defensive line coach, make sure you can make a connection with this young man. The the same thing here. Um, you know, you're going to be gambling on a guy. Um, then you got to make sure that you know, you know, you got to know Stephen Sullivan. Why did he, uh, you know, struggle to put up the kind of numbers that a guy of his talent should have put up throughout his career? Why was he so great in the Senior Bowl and so basically invisible throughout all that time in Baton Rouge? I think you and I, if we if we were in a legitimate war room right now, at this stage of the draft, I mean, I can only envision you know, what the conversations are like once you get to this point where, like I said, it, it's really mushed up with a lot of prospects that are fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh round grade. They're day three guys, and so it's a little bit more of a toss-up. But if I was having a wholehearted discussion here, I actually think I would go with Raekwon Williams here. I would go with that proven team captain, a guy that has the right attitude coming in that I think can give them a different skill set than what they're getting, especially if Jaron Reed's gone. This is a, a guy on day yes. three that I think could step in and contribute for you right away. You you have some question marks there. Is DeMarcus Christmas going to be able to contribute at all after not playing last year? If they lose Jaron Reed, you're stuck. With, you have Puna Ford and Brian Monet and DeMarcus yeah, no. Christmas. Those are the guys, yeah. so... I, I, I would actually argue for Raekwon here. Yep, yeah, I'm, I'm on board with that, especially once you mentioned the possibility of not having Jaron Reed back, then yes, I think that that has to be his selection because, um, you know, Lecky Fotu, again, he's going to be more like Brian Monet, more like Al Woods. He's going to be that real big, strong guy, but you're going to need more of a penetrator. You need the three-tech. Uh, yeah, exactly. And, and so, yeah, I think Raekwon Williams would be the selection then. All right, let's give him a call here. Raekwon Williams, he's our seventh draft pick. So we've got two defensive linemen from the interior. We got a speedy edge rusher in Uche. So we've gotten some guys to really shore up that defensive line. And now we just have one pick remaining, and we are quickly approaching that. These simulators go faster once you get later. It's, it's perfect. It's just like the regular draft where if you blink, you miss two picks. <laughs> almost up here and we are on the board right now seventh round selection or it's comp pick sixth rounder actually 
for the Seattle Seahawks. Looking at what's available right now, I'm going back to the running backs because I'm just curious. A.J. Dillon is still on the board here. I think I think this is a home run here. Sixth-round comp pick, you're bringing in a 250-pound battering ram that can come in, and if Rashad Penny's not ready to go to the start of the season, give the ball to this big fella with Chris Carson. you got a nice, powerful duo there in the backfield. I just think Pete Carroll would not be able to resist at this point. I think it's very possible, um, you know, and, and, and if I'm playing the role of John Schneider, then, you know, I'm not so sure that I'd be able to, to pass up as well. I mean, Steven Sullivan is still available, too, if we want to go tight see, end. So you, you, you your prospect versus though. mine. Now, now we yeah. got to argue about this. Is there a way that we can make a trade, even though we said no trades, so we can get back in and draft both? No, uh, it just comes down to, you know, if you're looking at immediate need, getting another tight end makes yep. a ton of sense. Uh, but I'm also looking at I always look a year ahead, too, in the draft. And the Seahawks do that. We've seen them with picks. And I'm just thinking Chris Carson's heading to free agency. Running backs have a hard time getting that second contract, especially guys had some injuries like Carson. And I just look at the fit. And A.J. Dillon screams Seahawks running back. So I will, I will go to town arguing for him, but I completely understand the Stephen Sullivan pick, too, because of the need. Yeah, exactly. And, and so that's the thing is, is that it, I would feel confident that if this is in a real scenario, that, that Seattle would look to trade back. They would look to try and get two selections because they'd have a couple of guys they really like um, and, and then try and get them both um, just because it, these are two players that, that frankly are, are probably going to be drafted earlier than this. Um, and, and so, uh, but they certainly fit in with Seattle's needs. So I, I'm okay with Dylan, just because the hope is that with a, a guy as athletic as Sullivan, then then your your thinking would be that there, there's something. The teams are also scared of him. Dylan's not going to last too much longer. He's, he's just his production's through the roof, and he's um, a good character with, guy too. Yeah, exactly. And so with, with Sullivan, then you know there's going to be some some fear there, and so he might fall all the way out, and then you try and sign him as a, as a free agent. I think I think we got to you and I both agree running backs do matter so we're taking a running back AJ Dillon coming to Seattle here for our last draft pick so that what an exciting eight picks here for the Seahawks we checked off a number of different needs for the team addressed the defensive line and the offensive line five of our picks went to either the O-line or the defensive line so a very trench heavy draft for us we got a potential running back that could be in play here after the 2020 season, if not getting some reps early in the year with Rashad Penny coming off a severe injury. We get another receiver to couple with Tyler Lockett and DK Metcalf. Russell Wilson's going to be sitting at home smiling with that selection. We've reached the conclusion of our first collaborative mock draft. Here's a quick recap of who Rob and I drafted as new members of the Seahawks. We brought in Josh Jones, the tackle out of Houston. Second round, we got Joshua Uche, edge rusher from Michigan, as well as receiver Brandon Ayuk out of Arizona State. In the third round, we get the big fella, Lakey Fotu, out of Utah. Big defensive tackle to stuff the run. Fourth round, we get somebody to push Trey Flowers with quarterback Lamar Jackson out of Nebraska. And then we get an interior offensive lineman, a versatile one at that, in Zach Shackelford out of Texas. Then in the fifth round, get another defensive tackle that can maybe be the three-tech, depending on what happens with Jaron Reed and Raquan Williams out of Michigan State. And then in the sixth round, we get a battering ram in the backfield, a running back for the future potentially in Boston College's A.J. Dillon with our sixth round compensatory pick tweet at us at locked underscore seahawks to let us know what you think of our selections make sure to follow me on twitter at corbin smith nfl you can follow rob at rob rang 
If you'd like to be a featured sponsor on the Locked On Seahawks podcast, you can contact me, LockedSeahawks at gmail.com. Subscribe to our show on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, whatever your preferred podcast platform is by going to our website, LockedOnSeahawks.com. Coming up on tomorrow's show, Nick Lee will be joining me for our latest Free Agency Friday segment, and we'll also take a look at Seattle's defensive ends and edge rushers in our latest positional review. Enjoy the rest of your Thursday. Go Hawks!